which is Luke chapter 2, verses 41 through 52. That's going to be the sermon text today. If you're physically able, out of reverence for God's word, I would ask that you stand. I'm reading from the new NIV translation, verses 41 through 52. Every year, Jesus' parents went to Jerusalem for the festival, the Passover. When he was 12 years old, they went up to the festival according to the custom. After the festival was over, while his parents were returning home, the boy Jesus stayed behind in Jerusalem, but they were unaware of it. Thinking he was in their company, they traveled on for a day. Then they began looking for him among the relatives and friends. When they did not find him, they went back to Jerusalem to look for him. After three days, they found him in the temple courts, sitting among the teachers, listening to them and asking them questions. Everyone who heard him was amazed at his understanding and his answers. When his parents saw him, they were astonished. His mother said to him, son, why have you treated us like this? Your father and I have been anxiously searching for you. Why were you searching for me, he asked. Didn't you know I had to be in my father's house? But they did not understand what he was saying to them. Then he went down to Nazareth with them and was obedient to them. But his mother treasured all these things in her heart. And Jesus grew in wisdom and stature and in favor with God and man. Let's pray. Almighty God, we humble ourselves before this gospel reading and before you as we ask your spirit to speak to us and teach us and lead us that we might better know our relationship with you. We are your children and you are our loved father. To those ends we pray in the name of Jesus Christ, amen. Please be seated. When I used to get in trouble at home, I can still hear my dad saying, who do you think you are? Which is a reference to the fact that whatever I did was beyond my capacity or my authority or my freedom to do. Who do you think you are? And it still sticks in, and I've probably said that to you guys before. Okay, I have. Who do you think you are? Anybody ever heard that before? Who do you think you are? Am I, okay. Well, who are you? Who do you think you are? Have you asked yourself that question recently? I, I got a new wallet for Christmas, and I was going through, um, you know, what things you keep in your wallet, what things you throw out. You know, this is when you get a new wallet, you decide to, you know, go through things. And I realized I lied through my teeth on my body weight on my license. Oh, I lied. You know, they don't check your weight. They don't check your weight at all. And, uh, but I should have lied about my height. I could have done better on that. That's not really me. The picture is good, though. I also realize that I am a gold club member at Starbucks since 2008. Now, that's pretty, that's amazing. I'm going to cherish that. And, and I know this is unique for most of you, but I am a Kroger Plus, Kroger Plus member. I'm not just a Kroger member, I'm a Plus member. And that entitles me to all of the benefits of being a Plus member. 
Um, so I'm, I'm upper. Well, who are you? Who, who do you think you are? What identifying marks do you bear? Is it a ring, a necklace, a license, a wallet? What is it? Who are you? I'm leading off with that question today because we have a story now of Jesus and who he is. Now, this particular story can go lots of different ways. Why do we have this story in the Bible? Jesus being left behind and Mary and Joseph missing him for a day and then taking three days to find him and then confronting him and saying, where have you been? Your father and I have been looking for you. Now, some people think that the story is in here to talk about how inept his parents were. I mean, can you, you leave a kid behind? Can you imagine such a thing? Pat Mueller's husband, Lloyd, left her at a Cracker Barrel. What, what state was that, Pat? Tennessee. Left her at a Cracker Barrel at Tennessee, loaded up Pat's mom, and I don't know, I don't know how many hours down the road he was before he realized that his wife wasn't in the car. We would never let Pat or Lloyd really forget about that Cracker Barrel incident. He said he pulled up and there she was sitting on the rocking chair in the front porch waiting for him. Were Jesus' parents this inept? I mean, three days, of course, you know the Bible. It's got to be three days, but three days? And then they find him? And then Mary says, I don't know if you caught this, why have you treated us like this? Your father and I have been anxiously searching for you. Your, your what? Your father and I? She's not right. How can she misunderstand that Jesus, this child, that the father is God, that Joseph is only functioning as father? The divine birth, right? So she misunderstood. So some people think that this story is to talk about the ineptitude of Jesus' parents. But you could actually flip that on its head and say, this is how great his parents are. That they're taking him to the temple every year at Passover, religiously, so that he could worship. Not every parent is willing to make the sacrifices necessary to get their kids in worship before God. Now we make it as easy as possible, drive up ramp, kids programming, air conditioned facility, you know, pews that a family can sit together. We try to make it as easy as possible. But going to Jerusalem for the Passover was a lot of effort and a lot of work, and you traveled as families, and it cost a lot of money. It was a big deal. And yet his parents were faithful Jews, making sure that their child went to worship at Passover. So maybe his parents were really remarkable 
and what they did. And in fact, during Jesus' time, the Romans had occupied Jerusalem as a world power, so Jerusalem was occupied territory. One time, there was a rebellion against the Roman government, and what the Romans decided to do is that they would crucify the, the culprits, the bandits, they would crucify them, and they would crucify a person every so many, I think it was whatever the yards, the measurement is, on the road leading into Jerusalem. So as you went into Jerusalem for Passover, every so many yards or period, there would be a crucified body. And as you're traveling in for Passover, you're con and there was a rule in the ancient world, the Romans had a rule, that you were not allowed to remove the body from the cross. That was the power of crucifixion, in that the body would remain on the cross, even if it was guarded, it had to be guarded, if that was the case, so that the animals would pick apart the body. So as you walk by, you would see bodies on crosses in various degrees of decomposition. And that was to serve as a reminder to the Jewish people, don't mess with the Roman Empire. It'd be a visible reminder, which is all the more remarkable that when Jesus was crucified, remember, he, they received his body and they were able to put it in a tomb, which went against Roman practice of allowing the body to disintegrate. Well, what I'm trying to tell you is when Jesus was going into Jerusalem to celebrate Passover, there was at least one time where he had to walk past crucifixions all the way into the city. How that would have etched into your mind, especially if you knew that this is what you were going to endure. So maybe the story is not about the ineptitude of his parents. Maybe his parents were remarkable teaching him and showing him. Some people think that's why this story is in here. Some people think this story is in here because you go from baby Jesus and shepherds to the very next verse, 12 years old, going to a temple. You've got 12 years of nothing, of nothing. And maybe the story is in here because Luke is purposely saying that Jesus being raised as a child was nondescript or, or was not remarkable. It was just like every Jewish boy going in and worshiping the temple occasionally, being raised in his father's house, being taught how to be a carpenter. But it was just not remarkable because in the ancient world, whether it's Caesar or whoever, they would have childhood stories to talk about how amazing this child was, how divine this child was. And you've got some crazy stories out there, the Gospel of Thomas that is a false gospel, and it talks about Jesus having these remarkable skills, and he could curse his friends, and weird stuff like that. And But in the Bible, I'm talking about the New and Old Testament, you get nothing, you get nothing for 12 years, just zero. And maybe the reason this story's in here is to try to tell us that, you know what, Jesus grew up just like anybody else. 
Jesus didn't walk on water when he was 10 years old to go give his dad a drink while he was fishing. None of that kind of stuff. He's just like a normal boy. And that's why the story's in there. But I think the reason it's in there is because verses 49 and 50. I think it's in there because Jesus at 12 points out who he is. He points out his identity. And he even teaches his parents. In verse 50, they don't understand what he's saying, which really rocks my world. After all that Mary and Joseph have gone through, at verse 50, they didn't understand that Jesus needed to be into his, in his father's house. Now, how is that possible? But I think 49 and 50 is the textual lens by which we understand this. Jesus understands who he is, his identity. Some people think that Jesus knew who he was since day one. At age day two or age one or three, Jesus fully understood that he was the son of God and he was gonna be crucified in Jerusalem. He completely knew. And some people think while he, he might have had access to that, he didn't know until he got older and then he started to put things together that he developed. And some people don't want Jesus to develop. They want him to be fully knowing everything at day number one. Some people think he was like any other kid that gradually learned and knew. I, I, don't, I don't know what your opinion is on that. You could see it in artistic renditions. You'll have the baby Jesus looking like a nine-year-old kid. You ever seen those weird pictures, icons, where the child, baby child, you got Mary, and she's holding like a nine-year-old kid? Like, how is that a newborn? Well, they're trying to put the knowledge of Jesus into a newborn, which is hard to do. So they illustrate it that way. My opinion is that Jesus gradually started to know and learn who he was at day number one of his life a one-day-old baby doesn't need to know that they're going to be crucified at 33. You see what I'm saying? But he gradually began to learn his purpose. That's just my opinion. But I wonder at age 12, when he was left behind, I wonder if at age 12, Jesus became fully aware of where he belongs and being in his father's house. You know, in Luke's gospel, Jesus does not return to Jerusalem from chapter 2 when he got left behind. He doesn't return to Jerusalem until he comes back to be crucified. There's no visits to Jerusalem in Luke's gospel from that time until his crucifixion. So maybe it was age 12 that he realized he became self-aware. We live in a culture today that's talking about being self-aware, 
or what do you identify as, right? What do you identify as? Listen to what Jesus identified as. Didn't you know that I needed to be in my father's house? Jesus identified as God's son. That's what happens at age 12, and I think that is so crucial because listen to what I'm saying. This is so important. You and I ought to identify as Christ's child as well. We are God's child. That is the most important relationship in your life, is your relationship with God. Some people knew that at age six. Some people knew that at age 12 or 19. I don't know. Some of you maybe are still asking yourself what God's will is for your life. But I want to tell you, the truth is, you are God's child. You are created to have a relationship with God. And this morning, I want to awaken you to that relationship. I want to awaken you to that relationship for which you are created. Turn, if you would, to Romans chapter 8, verse 15. Romans chapter 8, verse 15. What is your relationship with God? Some people have a relationship with God where they feel like their job is to make God happy or they feel like God has put them here to do something, to accomplish something. But I want to tell you that the most important relationship in your life, the primary relationship that we should have is one of God as our Father. Now look at verse 15 of Romans chapter 8. The spirit you received does not make you slaves so that you live in fear again. Rather, the spirit you received brought, you, brought about your adoption to sonship, and by him we cry, Abba, Father. I think this story is in here because it demonstrates that Jesus has an awareness even different than his own parents, that there is a larger relationship in his life between he and God, his father. And I want to tell you, even beyond your siblings or your parents, that there is also a larger relationship in your life between you and God, by which you can call God Abba Father. The most important relationship in your life is that with God. People are going to come and go. Family is going to come and go. You are going to go. But the most important thing in your life today is your relationship with God, your Father. Wake up. Come to your senses. Somebody once said that without purpose, 
a thing can be abused. Without purpose, a thing can be abused. And here's, here's the example. A hammer. A hammer is a great tool to hammer a nail. Right? But how old is Dominic, Chris? Nine. I'm not going to give Dominic a hammer to run around the church. Because I don't think Dominic realizes, maybe he does, but that the hammer is to hammer nails. Because if Dominic is running around with a hammer, that hammer could be used to hammer a sister or windows or books or all kinds of things. Because, and I'm not being mean to Dominic, I'm just using it as an illustration. You have to know the purpose of a thing. And when you don't know the purpose of a thing, it's open to abuse, like a hammer. Don't give a baby a hammer. Give somebody a hammer who knows what it's for. Here's the crucial thing. Listen, you and I are here for a purpose. Our most important relationship was with God the Father, and he planted us in this world in 2023 to hear this sermon today, to be in our life, to be in our family, to be in our workplace, to be in this life for a purpose. And when we don't know what that purpose is, we might run around this world like a hammer. And we're not meant to be a hammer unless there's a nail. What is it that God has called you to do? Who is it that God has called you to serve? What are your hands and your feet and your voice and your mouth? And what are those things designed for? What is your purpose by God's planting in this world today? And without a purpose, even you are open to abuse. The most important relationship in your life is with God the Father. Jesus realized that at age 12, even though his parents didn't. Boy, I want you to realize that today on January 1st. That's the most important relationship in your life. Let's get back to the basics. Let's see ourselves through the standpoint of God and what he has called us to do here today. Let me close with this. Another identifying mark for me is my wedding ring. Unlike my wallet, which I'll take and leave, and I keep my wedding ring on at all times. And that reminds me of my most important human relationship, which is between my wife and I. And I made a vow to her in the presence of witnesses before God, for better, for worse, for richer, for poorer, in sickness and in health. I take that vow seriously. Doesn't matter what I think. The vow transcends my emotions on the given day. It's a promise that I made. But my relationship with God transcends even that. It transcends even that. Because the most important relationship in your life is between you and God. 
And if I'm willing to give Gail better, worse, richer, poorer, sickness and health, because we're all going to be sick someday, then how much more am I willing to give God? Everything. Absolutely everything. January 1st, 2023. Let's recognize who we are. Who do you think you are? I'm God's child. I'm God's child. We're God's child. Let's pray.